Are we in a social experiment in veterinary medicine? Are pet parents learning more from TikTok and Instagram than from real-life interactions with veterinary professionals? How can we be a part of this experiment and make sure we get the right outcome this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder? to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we are going to try to unravel some of the complexities around social media sensations and education and everything that is baked into putting pets and pet information on really short form social media. It's a big topic and there's a lot to unpack, so let's jump into it. But before we do, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And there's been, I guess, a TikTok explosion. And I don't know if you have been on it, Dr. Ernie, but it is truly a black hole. I try to avoid it. I try to avoid it. And we have actually seen um, an increase in veterinary advice sometimes maybe from veterinarians maybe not so much and we've talked a lot recently about social media how it's impacting our clients and how we get in front of it and it seems like now we've got a whole nother social medium to deal with yeah and and you know viewfinders here we are in this COVID 19 pandemic so a lot of us have sort of been forced into online relationships and keeping up with everybody so we're turning to our smartphones and our computers to sort of stay connected. And inevitably, part of that connection is then scrolling through your feed on Instagram or TikTok or Snap or wherever you go. And suddenly now there's like a really interesting surgery or a really interesting pet or a really interesting story that gets your attention. And we don't really want to focus on some of the fringy stuff because I do think there's a lot of, as I've said for years, veterinary medical porn out there. And I don't mean that in a salacious way. I mean, it's just sort of revealing some of the worst parts of veterinary medicine. I think it's inappropriate. We've discussed it here. And if you haven't checked out some of this podcast, go back into the archives. But I'm talking about like people giving advice. And like Becky said, sometimes it's spot on. It's from a veterinary professional. Other times, it's not so spot on from somebody with self-proclaimed credentials, you know. And then sometimes, you know, Becky, there are vets that maybe are just trying to make a name for themselves. And I think that's the part we really have to, like, thread out, right? Right. Is are you... What are your intentions? And I think understanding people's intentions is a good rule of thumb for life. But it can be a a tiny bit frustrating from is this quality and quality advice or is it oversimplified to fit into that 30 second allowance of a video? And so you kind of do the best you can, but you leave out some really important nuances. Yeah. And those nuances can be the difference between a good recommendation or a safe recommendation. And so you know, viewfinders, and again, this will be one of those episodes where we don't proclaim to have the answer. We're just going to kind of share with you our thoughts and opinions. So we really want to hear where you stand on this. So the first part of the argument, Becky, is, okay, look, um, I believe this is my own personal opinion, is that it can be a social listening device. So I like to scroll TikTok and Snap and, and Instagram and Facebook just to see what people are talking about, because that might spark an idea for me to write a blog post, make a video, to do a podcast, right? I mean, so I use it as a listening tool. 
Uh, that doesn't mean that you always have to engage in those conversations. But Becky, do you find that that veterinarians sort of say, okay, I want to find out what my clients are talking about. So let's see what's happening in social media. I don't know that they do. And like, maybe they do. And maybe they're coming at it from that standpoint. I wish they were. But I don't know that the veterinarians and the veterinary professionals who are not in the journalism side of things and the media side of things are thinking about it that way because I don't know that they are doing a I don't know that they have the time and and it's built into and I don't even know that it's honestly the veterinarian's job more than like office managers and people who are supposed to kind of have their their fingers on the pulse of what their clinic needs to be doing and guiding their veterinarians on important topics. Um but somebody out there needs to be looking to know where information's coming from, getting in front of the bad information, getting in front of the social media sensations, um, a, a getting the real information out there and myth busting before your clients are coming in and asking you about it whenever possible. Right. And that's one of the real dangers of this world we live in of technology and connectedness. Um because things accelerate. Like suddenly now a little story that literally can be anywhere on the globe can propagate and spread within hours to all the reaches of humanity. And so I think that Becky's right. Like we need to try to get in front of some of these stories because before you know it, some things can turn out terribly wrong. And I really think back, you know, to some of the days like when we would have new advances in heartworm or flea preventives and suddenly, you know, a new story would break and regionally you might have a lot of controversy and concern, right? So, but, but because we didn't have this interconnectedness, it wasn't like the whole world suddenly became inflamed with this, this topic. Yeah. But today, if you launch a new drug or preventive, oh, wow. I mean, think about it. Right now, the coronavirus, one of the AstraZeneca you know, candidates for the coronavirus vaccine for, for people has been halted. And it has been the talk of all news outlets, right? Because, oh, my gosh, they had they had a, a you know, an adverse event. And look, none of us know. And if you do viewfinders, please get in touch with us. We don't really know the extent of the potential complication. It was a neurological uh, adverse event. But you know what I'm saying, Becky? It's like that one little story now all over the world, that's why the the stakes are so high when you roll out a new product. And I think, honestly, it, it probably holds a lot of companies back. Yeah. And I think the the really severe, scary thing about this is that it does, most people are not actually educating themselves behind the headline. So they see the video, they see the headline. So in fact, there was um, kind of a Facebook, uh, like a, a trick thing going around a while ago that said, you know, Carol Baskin's husband's body was found and you clicked on it and it was like, ha, fooled you kind of thing. And now the the understanding is Carol Baskin's husband's body was found because most people don't take the time to click the link. And we know that the titles are made for clickability. So then when you go in and you read, there's always a little caveat or clarity on the severity of that title, right? Because it's all about clicks. So the really unfortunate part is the titles are becoming the truth. Yeah, and that's a really good point. This goes back to anti-vaccine movements, anti-GMO movements. You know, really, there's a, a kernel of truth baked inside this massive pie of untruths and disinformation. And so, you know, as veterinary professionals, we then have to sift through that because somebody serves us up this big pie of fake news and they're like, hey, eat all of that, buddy. 
and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have the time and the appetite to help you out with this. And so we tend to dismiss it. And I think that's one of the first mistakes that vets make and they've made historically is just saying things like, oh, you can't trust what you see on the internet, just stuff like that, just dismissing it in toto, which also then gives you less credibility in the conversation because, Becky, as soon as you tell somebody, oh, what you're learning or hearing or or seeing is completely wrong, you can only trust me. People say, wait, what's what's in it for you? Yeah. And especially this this growing generation. Like, I do feel like there's an older generation of like you respect authority, you listen to them, you don't question. Um and then there's this new generation that's like, we research everything on our own. We question everything we hear. We want proof. We want studies. We want research. They're one of the most educated generations that we have. And when you dismiss them as a whole, they understand that being dismissed as a whole means that you probably have zero idea what you're talking about. And so you're just putting the whole concept to the side. They feel like they are being shamed. They feel like you don't listen and understand and respect their concerns and their ethics and morals with their own pet. And they find another vet that does. Wow, that's a really good point. And you just reminded me of something. So, Becky, you're right. There are generational shifts and acceptance of, quote unquote, sources of truth. And so the boomers historically did trust authority, right? So they came up at a time when you trusted the government, you trusted your army sergeant, you you trusted your doctor, right? And you really didn't, didn't question. So if they told you to do something, you did. You took the pill twice a day, no questions asked. Then my generation, which is, you know, Generation X, the latch keys, the, the kids that were kind of left on our own. I mean, we were the kids that were growing up, you know, in skate parks and running wild in the 70s that they made all the bad movies about. But we became really distrustful because we saw an adult generation that largely abandoned us, right? I mean, divorce rates skyrocket in the 70s. You know, children really, you know, they're, look, hey, it was the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. I lived through it. So <laughs> my point is we became really skeptical. Now you're starting to see this weird, if you start to look at the research, the millennials sort of took those two generations and have kind of melded into this thing where they go, oh, we don't trust the big government, but then they trust the crowd. Right. We talked about crowdsourcing recently on the podcast. It's a really fascinating conversation. I'm really proud of that one. But, you know, so now you've got millennials that go to Amazon. And if there's 5,000 positive four or five star reviews, then it's the truth. Right. So it's a weird, different level. Like, whereas when I look at reviews on Amazon as a Gen Xer, I'm like, somebody paid for that review. That's a bogus review. Nobody. No, I don't trust anybody. Yeah, but I think this newer generation <laughs> is seeing that. And that's why we now see verified reviews and, and things that are looking for proof because and I think just everyone is becoming more and more aware of fake news and the ability to buy well, whatever you want. You right. can buy a seal of approval. You can right, right. buy, you know. Um, well, Becky, you're right. But I'll tell you who's leading that charge. It's the next generation, Gen Z, which are my children now off at college because they don't, they are, they are exactly the type of skeptic that you just described. They're just yes. like, they're like, they look at Amazon reviews like, why would you look at Amazon reviews, dad? Right. And that's exactly right. So they're able to sift through a lot of this. And I think, again, that's just what we, you know, I think there are a lot of quote unquote, sorry, old timey vets out there who are like pissed if you just don't listen to the recommendation at face value. And they aren't used to having to explain and to, and, and to be fair, there are a lot of clients out there who don't care and they don't want to hear. They're like, like my AC guy came the other day and I was like, listen, I don't care what you do. I don't want to hear about it. I don't need to be educated on my air conditioner. You do you. You tell me what you need. We'll do it. And like, because I don't know and I don't want to research. And 
so I think we do have to balance how much do you want to know? We have to learn our clients better. I guess is oh, what yeah. I'm saying, because there are some that want to know and there are some that don't. And we cannot just put our clients in a box and assume and go about our day. They are our customers and we need to meet their needs. OK, so let's spin it back to TikTok and Instagram right. and all this short form stuff, because that's really where I think the danger is. Let's, yeah. I love this AC example. So. Can I ask a question? Did you or your husband like do any kind of research on what the problem might be? Try to troubleshoot it yourself before you contacted the AC repair people? Nope. I, it was frozen. <laughs> I knew it was frozen. It's not supposed to be frozen. I have a um, home warranty for a reason. And I called my home warranty company and I said, you need to send someone. And that is, that is exactly what I did because AC is, is not my gig. It did something it wasn't supposed to do, and somebody needs to find out why. And Becky just made a nice play for pet insurance because I yep. think that that exactly applies to a lot of pet parents out there today. They're just like, hey, I my cat is acting funny. I'm taking it to the vet. I don't really want to fool around trying to figure it out on my own right. because it's covered, right? So, I mean, again, I, I know we're backing, sorry, all over the place viewfinders this week, but that's how it goes sometimes. Well, my AC's <laughs> up and running for anyone who's worried, and I'm on a monthly maintenance plan, and even my AC will get checked out twice a year. So think about that when you're talking about your patients. I love it. Okay, but now let's go back to another example that recently happened to you, Becky. Becky blew out her knee. You probably heard us talk about it the past couple of weeks on the, on the viewfinder. So have you done any research? around like rehab or healing or what you can All expect. All of it, right? I'm right. like, I want to know the entire anatomy of my knee. I've considered doing some laparoscopic <laughs> searching around myself. My doctors are irritated with the fact that I come in and I, I tell them what I feel like it is. <laughs> right. So you're exactly right, right? Like I have looked all up and down because you want to know why? I don't trust my doctors. I don't trust them. They make wrong decisions and they are at the mercy of the insurance company. So my vet, my, my veterinarian, my doctor said to me, orthopedic veterinarian, damn it, orthopedic doctor <laughs> said, I call them veterinarians to their face all the time too. Um, he said, well, we got to go conservative for insurance. So here's a brace. Four to six weeks and physical therapy, and then we'll decide if we can do an MRI. And that is not his fault. That's the insurance company. But the idea that he sent me out of there to be in chronic pain for four to six weeks before I could get an actual diagnosis and answer, as opposed to his rule outs, was super frustrating. I will tell you, I came home, I put my cold laser to it. Um, I have sure. been rehabbing it slightly on my own, saving my copay, and it feels a lot better. Absolutely, and definitely class four is indicated in that that condition. Oh, so but good. viewfinders, the reason that I ask these, these are two apparently discordant topics, but I think that there is a definite connection here. Yes. So we're looking at two different issues. One is an inanimate object, something that Becky knows very little about, doesn't even care that much about. I mean, she wants right. it to be cold in her house and hot in the winter, right? So, I mean, we get that part and she's just results oriented. So she, she has this, uh, quote unquote insurance for her air conditioning unit. And so she's like, hey, just fix it. You know what? I really don't need to hear the 15 inspection points that you just did. Just thank you and make it work. Okay, right. I get that. The other side is her personal health, right? And she is a veterinary professional. She's well you know, educated. She has advanced degrees and experiences. And so now she feels, you know what? I really want to know what's going on here. And I think that 
in between there is really where most pet parents lie, right? It's sort of like something that like, ah, you know, I care for it, but it's not like, you know, the center of my life. I don't really understand it. So vet, take care of it. And then there's the other half that's like, oh my gosh, this is my everything, you know, and I've got 15,000 documents from the internet that I need for you to read in the next 20 minutes before I actually agree to do that, you know, rabies vaccine. Yeah. And, and you're having to sort through all of that. But I think now what we have in this social media onslaught is things we haven't even thought of. So the difference is, is like nobody, I didn't come across an ad in my TikTok that said, did you know your air conditioner could be sick? Did you know you could be something ruining your air conditioner? And if I did, I wouldn't watch it. But now what's happening is we are seeing pet owners and some pet professionals popping up on, on these social medias and saying, this is dangerous. That's dangerous. This is great. This isn't great. And because we are in a like 30 second to one minute platform, we can't really dive in extensively. And so I feel like then what happens is we get phone calls, we get emails, we get clients coming in and saying like, oh, I watched this 30 second video. Um, and now I have all of these questions because of it. And it's sort of like, was that helpful or not so much? Right. And so, again, let's get back to our personal responsibilities. Uh, it's no secret. I mean, this is one of the reasons why Becky and I are so passionate about this podcast, because we are trying to get in front of topics with our colleagues to help out. Like we, we think this is a way to reach you. But we also are very involved on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. I mean, Becky and I really try to help out our, I mean, we love this profession so much. And so we try to, to be out there, you know, and, and what's interesting too about Becky and I, and Becky does have a little bit of a, another side hustle, but most of the content that we've created, and certainly in my 30 plus years, it's been directed primarily at veterinary professionals, right? I mean, I've yeah. strayed a little bit here and there and done some popular stuff, you know, with the Rachel Ray TV show and all that stuff. But my home base and my passion is always to educate fellow colleagues. And so, you know, I think that that we now have to say, okay, this is great, but why, why isn't the AVMA on TikTok, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, why aren't they more involved in some of these topics? And look, AVMA is just one topic. Why isn't NAVC? And NAVC, quite frankly, is trying to step up their game. And I think they've got some exciting things planned. Hopefully we'll have the CEO back on soon to talk about some stuff. But, you know, we need to, we need our organizations to actually be where pet parents are. Now, Becky and I try along with hundreds and hundreds of other vet professionals out there to make sure we're talking about the things that need to be talked about. But honestly, Becky, if you took all of the key veterinary influencers right now, it pales in comparison to the power and authority and slash credibility that like an AVMA and NAVC would have if they were out there as well. You know, I I agree with that partially, but then the flip side of that to me is when I look at the pet parents and who's doing the learning. Right. So our veterinary influence are mostly followed by veterinary professionals. And so great, they're learning lots yeah, of skills and they're point. learning lots of communication. But then I find our pet parents are not aligning. They're not going to those veterinary sources for learning. They're going to the influencers. Um and like I had mentioned to you when we were talking before the show, um, I had a call with an influencer who has a cat who needs manual expression of his bladder on a regular basis. And she actually is doing social media videos on how she does that for him. And I was really nervous about that because Absolutely. I understand that people are inquisitive 
But my fear is, is now are people like, oh, I'm going to manually express my, my, my boy cat hasn't peed all day. Now I'm going to go expressing on that bladder because I saw this TikTok video on how to do it. And, um, my biggest concern and my biggest frustration is it, I, we, how are we going to get these pet parents to align with the appropriate groups so that the learning is appropriate and that the learning is coming from the source that they need to learn from. And that's a part I feel like we're missing. Right. And look, viewfinders, I am a strong, ardent supporter of a free press. I believe in the free sharing of ideas. That's not always great from a business model perspective, aka our podcast. But you know what I'm saying, Becky? <laughs> I like really like sharing ideas, but then yeah. it also has to be contextualized because like just put it out there, right? We could do a video how to spay your I'm sorry, how to neuter your cat. Yes. Okay. So even simpler, perhaps from a technical perspective. I would say that would be grossly, horribly irresponsible, right? So, and I would hope that if you're listening today, you would say, yeah, that, Ernie, that sounds like a bad idea because that would just, somebody out there would do it, right? I mean, a lot of people. So I'm saying, how do we set the boundaries? Because other people are not abiding by these same codes of ethics. I guess ask Mark Zuckerberg, because if he hasn't got it figured out, I don't know how we're going to in 30 minutes. It has become very apparent that it is a very, very loose, very loose medium um, and that there is a lot of stuff out there and a lot of really scary stuff out there and that um, our clients are, are are drawn to the people they relate the most to and the people who they feel like are on their level. And that comes from a human animal bond standpoint and from a, a this is my family member. And the more we treat their family members like patients, even though that's what they are to us the less we are becoming a third party in that human-animal bond. And I think that they tend to feel like the influencers and the other parents understand where they're coming from better than the pet professionals. And and again, I think this is where things get a little bit scary. And then we even, again, have, you know, veterinary professionals going out there and doing the best they can. But again, I guess, I guess like I said to you in the beginning of this is I don't know if this is how we get tiny little drips of knowledge to our clients or if it, this is how we open big, hairy problems with our clients. <laughs> and these are big problems. And, and look, here's where we are with this social experiment that we kind of alluded to at the very beginning of the podcast. And that is the power of these algorithms. So what is happening on your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed? I mean, you, everybody knows this on your podcast feed. Your recommendations are being driven by what you have engaged and interacted with. So if you did interact with a post about a dog at some point on some platform where you're going to be shown more dog content. Now, when you start to drive this down even further, what if you gave a like or a thumbs up about something about, you know, vaccines, right? Well, suddenly now you may be overwhelmed with anti-vaccine content, which which silently but surely influences and enforces that bias. And so what, what I think is happening too, Becky, is suddenly now our worldview becomes such an echo chamber. And so the people that believe whatever it may believe, whether it's political, religious, vaccines, <laughs> you name it, right? What's the best dog food? You're just reinforced and you actually then alienate yourself from other opinions and perspectives. And that's why breaking through this noise is more challenging than ever before. And, and I really, you know, 
take time to process what I, I'm trying to say here, because the fact is when that client comes in and they are adamantly opposed to vaccines, Becky, that's because every day on their Instagram feed, there's like 18 stories of horrible tragedies, right? Right. Right. And again, we saw this, like you mentioned, we see this every time a new flea tick product comes out, heartworm product comes out, and we see videos of pets having some kind of neurologic situation, but there's never information such as this product wasn't made in the United States. We don't know where the product was manufactured from. We don't know where it was purchased from. We don't know the amount that was given, X, Y, and Z. So you get these very tiny little blips of uh, moments in time that are are shaded to influence, that are spun to influence and are not neutral. And this is scary. This is scary. And again, it's I, I just think it's something we have to see and get in front of and put out there to our clients. Have you seen this video? Let's explain why this video isn't what you are seeing. Um, because I think we have, I don't know that they're even going to necessarily ask us about it. They're going to make up their own, like you said, they're going to make up their own mind and have a decision and say, well, I would never do that because X, Y, and Z, instead of mentioning their concerns and becoming more educated. I think a lot of people just fall into this is the whole truth. Right. And I think that one thing too, that as professionals, we we don't want to fall into this trap of believing that, well, all this fake news and disinformation, like that's just relegated to the political realm. That's just not true. This is called marketing, right? I mean, people have been spending billions of dollars every year yeah. to influence you to purchase a brand of clothing, of shoes, of cars. And at this point, we've just suddenly in the pet industry risen to the level to get some of that attention. And so these are very, very sophisticated ways of manipulating your opinions and ultimately your decisions. So I think sometimes, Becky, I hear vets and they go, oh, well, you know, I get it. I mean, all this politics stuff, you know, that's where the fake news is. It's like, actually, it might be in dog vaccines. Actually, it might be in cat heartworm preventive. Actually, it could be on whether or not you spay or neuter your dog, right? I mean, like you think that we're not part of this problem? I beg to differ. And that's why we're saying viewfinders, you need to be paying attention. Like you should be, as I mentioned, social listening. All right, Becky, as we wrap up today, I know we've hinted at a couple of solutions, but I know you've got some ideas and opinions on what average independent veterinary professional out there could or should be doing. Well, again, I think it, first and foremost, it's about leveraging. I think you need to have these accounts that your clients are looking at. I think getting client data asking them, why wouldn't you even have it as part of your intake? Or like, where are your favorite places to learn more about your pet? Find out where they're learning from. Um, ask them to share articles that they're coming across so you can vet them for them. And then most importantly, always just getting in front of it and getting in front of them and and making sure they have the best resources and they that they know what AHA and AVMA are. Our clients are not built in with that knowledge. We have to educate them. Yeah, I love that. I love actually crowdsourcing with your clients. Sure. Right? I mean, saying, hey, when you making it that you're welcoming that type of conversation. I think that's really important. That builds trust. So, I mean, if you think about it, Becky, you nailed it earlier. It's like most of the time a pet parent's not going to ask their vet if this is legit or not, right? For a hundred different reasons. So if you suddenly break down that barrier and say, hey, if you see something interesting, scary, wonderful on the internet, share it with us. We want to, we want to be a part of that conversation too. That might just open the door enough for some clients to give you some insight into what's happening in the bigger world outside your clinic. And you know, Becky, I, again, 
I'll go right back to what I said before. There can be a small story in one small corner of the world that spreads throughout it within 24 hours. That's the power that we're talking about. Like you can't say, well, that's just happening over in China, right? Because we are an interconnected species now. Our planet is dependent on all of us, all those billions of people around the world. And when these stories get ignited, you know, I think it is our responsibility, quite frankly, to look at it and say, I want to weigh in on this or not. And it's funny, Becky, you know, I, I was thinking back as you were talking just a minute ago, about 20 years ago, I wrote this article and I said, I was like, leverage your local newspaper, right? You know, because this was way before the internet. And I was saying, and when there are breaking news stories, right? Like that apply to animals, like right now, wildfire, right? You know, and, yeah. and I, I just did a piece on, on like safety and wildfire fires and hurricanes, right? Because that's where we are. And I'm saying, insert yourself in those stories as a veterinary professional, give your perspective whenever possible. And of course, today it's easier than ever. Like you don't have to wait on that reporter to, to ask you for a quote. You can actually make a blog post. You can do an Instagram post. You can do whatever. And I think that's the democratization that I'm so proud of. On the other hand, that means that lots of other people have the same opportunity. And that's where we're right back to where we started. Yeah, I mean, it, and the thing about it is, is it's easy to sit there and say, you know, well, we just don't have time. We're overwhelmed. We're already shorthanded. There's a, a lot of reasons why this might not feel like a priority. But if you think about this as not being social media, but being client education and, and offering a full education package and, and to truly taking care of your your patients and making sure that you get the best outcomes for them, it, this is all really part and parcel of it because you you have to go where they're learning. You have to go and meet your clients where they are. Um, and, and again, if they feel like at any point you're going to shame them or disapprove, they're just not going to tell you. Right. And as a, as a management expert and entrepreneur, Becky, this is good business. Like, I mean, actually being in front of these stories, being a participant, that allows you to potentially showcase your wares, your services. I mean, you know, there, there's also, there can be a selfish interest, if you will, that sounds terrible, but from a business perspective, you know, when, I can tell you this, Becky, when there are some of these outrageous, egregious stories, chances are it's another company, another brand, another product, another service that's behind that. I mean, yeah. very few news stories just organically explode. There are some amazing stories and some tragic stories, but most of the time there's some hand behind it guiding it. And so, you know, this is called the PR machine. So that's why I think it's really important for us to say, okay, I need to stay in touch with what's going on out there. Like this is part of not only patient care and client service, but also part of my business responsibility. Sure. And I also think it's important. I mean, our clients are going to have their priorities, but sometimes I think we need to sort of help them understand what is actually important because you can really hype up some not that big a deal <laughs> things. And um, they become a major focus and a major concern for our clients and again, it, 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 they might not ask us about it because they have already made their mind up about it and they don't actually want to hear differently about it, uh, a.k.a. raw food. <laughs> so they just don't even bring it up to us. And so, again, it's not just a matter of saying like, oh, this doesn't affect any of my clients or it's not an issue because I'm not hearing about it. If you're not hearing about it, it's just that they're not talking to you about it. So viewfinders, how are you talking about it? How are you hearing about it? What are you doing to encourage these kind of conversations? And are you participating in social media listing? We really want to hear what you think about this. I know sometimes, you know, we can come on here and we can just say, hey, here's a prescription and you do this, this and this and you're going to be fine. 
But today, with a topic like this, we're still figuring it out. But part of figuring that out, viewfinders, is allowing us to shape the future. By having these conversations, we believe that the next generation will benefit from a better, more transparent and authentic social media experience. Who are you guys watching on TikTok and Snapchat? Um good and bad we want to see who they are and get in front of their social media and be social listening so you can find us on facebook and instagram at veterinary viewfinder uh, and you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcast platforms make sure you head over to itunes if you can leave us some stars and a little bit of feedback And don't forget, you are an influencer for your pet parents in your community and in your life. So go out there and influence for the positive. Stay safe, everybody. Give your pets a hug from us. Bye. Bye. That's good.